This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked jokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe Hello, friends. Another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, as well as our friends over at LastWordOnSports.com. If you haven't already checked them out, make sure you head on over to LastWordOnSports.com immediately following this podcast right here. It is fight week once again. Big, big fight week this time, though. Conor McGregor returns into the cage... Not to defend his 145-pound strap. Not to fight Rafael Dos Anjos at the 155-pound division for that championship. But instead, at 170 pounds against Nate Diaz. What an epic fight this is going to be. And I'm going to have a good chat about all things Conor McGregor and UFC 196 with one of my guests... Coming up in a little bit. I'll tease that right now. My other guest this week is unified MMA heavyweight Tanner Bozer, the bulldozer. He uh, will join me later on in the show to discuss his upcoming heavyweight fight against Tim Haig. Haig is the only man, the lone man, to defeat Tanner Bozer. He is 8 and 1. And Haig is his lone loss. He's hoping to, you know, relinquish. Well, not relinquish because that fight has already happened and he lost to him in a matter of six seconds. But he hopes to avenge that loss uh, at Unified MMA this Friday night. So look out for that interview. There is no love loss between these two guys. So it's a very fun interview to listen to. As I said, it is fight week. UFC 196 goes down the main event, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. Uh, These two got into it last week in a press conference. This week, they haven't gotten into it with each other, but they've let out some great sound bites. And I'm going to play a couple of those for you right now from both Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Don't blink, I'm coming out the gate fast. Conor? I'm coming out the gate fast. You know, the belt... The belt stung for a little bit, the fact that I wouldn't, but really, it doesn't matter what weight divisions or anything, or even what belt is on the line, because really, I should create my own belt, because I am in myself my own belt. It doesn't matter weight. It doesn't matter if it's a featherweight, a lightweight, a welterweight. It's the McGregor belt, so that's it. I'm fighting for my own belt. It doesn't matter. I came to fight. They asked me to fight. I said yes from the beginning, so whatever problems they had, I don't know, but I came ready to fight. Any weight class, it doesn't matter. So, there's no hesitation on my part. I was ready to rock the whole time. I said it months ago. I've been in these big ass shows for a hell of a year before this guy even existed. So, I ain't no thing. I don't give a fuck. How's it feel to be a millionaire now? It's nice, right? It's nice, right? Let's be honest. Come on. It's nice, right? It feels good. I'll tell, I'll tell you more. You're a million, you're a million by one night only. Gotta fight first. I like Nick, uh, Nick's little bro, you know what I mean? How can you not like him? 
He's, he's, like a, he's like a little cholo gangster from the hood. But at the same time, but at the same time, he coaches kids jujitsu on a Sunday morning and goes on bike rides with the elderly. He makes gun signs with the right hand and animal balloons with the left hand. So I, I, I'm a, you're a credit to the community. Fuck you. Fuck, fuck you. I don't give a fuck what you say, motherfucker. Yeah, thugging on mine, motherfucker. What you got? But I'm looking forward to him coming out, and I'll come out too. I come out the trap like a greyhound, like a champion greyhound. I come out at a hundred miles an do you hour, train with? and I don't stop. And Who I don't do you stop. train with? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what, what he's about when the when the bell rings. We'll got see no training partners. Let's see. I've got I've got world titles and multi millions of dollars. You've got twenty thousand to show your last fight. And little and man weight kiddies, division. And you teach little kiddies. Little short weight you division. You teach kiddies the jiu jitsu on Sunday morning. champion. You're a junior infant jiu jitsu coach. I've been fighting junior infant jiu jitsu coaching. You teach years. seminars to eat. You have to teach seminars all across the fucking California just to make ends meet. So worry about you. You fight I'm a world champion, multi millionaire. You fight midgets. And that's it. You knocked out three midgets and you're pumped up. Yeah, and I'm about fucking to knock out midget. a stuffed I'm a real motherfucking fighter fighting grown-up Fast all the Mexicans time. about to get stiffened up onto that list too. I am the rule. I'm the only rule in this game, so it doesn't matter weight divisions. Nate said he was ready to fight at any time, but well, he wasn't. He wasn't ready to fight at 155. He wasn't ready to fight at 160, 165. So we give him 170, so... Damn. They call every other day. I'm happy to go I'm not gonna do lose it. no weight over no shit. I'll go fucking. I said 155 from the beginning. You didn't take 155 though. You did not take I did 155. Too. I did too. Initially, he didn't I take 155. Yes, Nick. I did. But that's cool. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Every Get, day. Comfortable. Get comfortable. Get comfortable. 170. Get comfortable. 170, brother. Get comfortable. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck either. I don't give a fuck either. Also on this card in the co-main event, which is getting completely overshadowed by the main event, Holly Holm looks to defend her UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship for the very first time in a tough, tough fight against Misha Tate. Again, I'll go over this with my guest uh, coming up in a little bit here. But a lot has gone down since we last chat. Since you last listened to my beautiful voice, a lot has gone down. UFC Fight Night 84 went down this last weekend. What has happened? That's right. The greatest of all time, Anderson the Spider Silva, was defeated unanimously, controversially, by Michael the Count Bisping. Now, you might have found this controversial. A ton of the media out there found this controversial. I myself did not. I scored rounds 1, 2, and 4... For Michael Bisping, he did not do more damage, but he controlled the octagon, and he landed more. He threw more. His output was crazy. And I said this to the staff over at MMA Suck. I said, if the spider wants to win anymore, he's got to quit being the spider. The guy needs to throw a lot more, he needs to be more active, and he needs to quit being so goddamn cocky. Yes, it's what got him to the top, his shenanigans where he's flailing around the cage or standing with his back up against the octagon. This isn't going to work in this day and age. If he were to climb the ladder and get back into title contention against Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, heck, against Michael Bisping again, that shit ain't going to work. It's not going to fly inside the octagon anymore against top three or four talent. 
It just isn't. It does, he can't do that kind of stuff. He's got to throw, he's got great accuracy, and he's got to use his skills that he should be able to use each and every time. That fight, the, the, the round that comes into question is round three. And that's the round that got stopped, did not get stopped. Michael Bisping got dropped because he stopped. Uh, because his mouth guard fell out, and he stopped, and Herb Dean, he asked Herb Dean to get him his mouth guard. Referee Herb Dean told him to continue fighting. It looked as if maybe he was coming in to give him his mouth guard. Who knows? But Anderson Silva landed a nice flying knee, which dropped Michael Bisping right at the bell. Now, if you were scoring that round as a whole, looking at that round as a whole, Michael Bisping was winning that round for more than four and a half minutes until Anderson Silva dropped him. It might have been stopped. It definitely would have been stopped had there been 10 more seconds. But Anderson gave Michael Bisping more than enough time to recover in between rounds because he decided to cheer like a crazy man on top of the cage despite the fact that Herb Dean told him on a number of occasions that the fight was not over. He did not stop the fight. So, not only does Herb Dean to blame, I guess, for not picking up the mouthpiece and giving it back to Michael Bisping, but he's also to blame for not making Anderson Silva completely get back in the cage and uh, fight the fight. It is what it is. It happened. Michael Bisping won. Congratulations to him. I'm super stoked because, as you know, Bisping has been a very big proponent to Sucker Radio. He's a fan of the show. He's a friend of the show. We've had him on numerous times and we'll continue to have him on. And he's likely next for a title shot. So we will see. I'm going to get right into my first guest right after I talk about a couple sponsors here. Fusion Fight Gear. These guys, if you want to be the coolest looking cat in your gym or on the jiu-jitsu mats in competition, then you need to look no further than Fusion Fight Gear. Their kick-ass designs will help take your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA game to new heights. But, you know, training has to be in there as well. They will at least make you look the part. Wear the worlds of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu apparel and your favorite official licensed pop culture brands collide. Check out FusionFightGear.com. We had a wicked contest. We had a ton of entries. And congratulations to Nate Dillon for picking up an awesome Batman DC line uh, collection. And floathouse.ca, do you need a getaway for 90 minutes without traveling? Well, then floathouse.ca has you covered. With a number of locations in British Columbia, Floathouse will have you feeling revived in less time than most feature films. Whether you need to relax, visualize, deal with pain management, meditate, Heal your body or just plain old want to rest, check out floathouse.ca for all your sensory deprivation tank information. Discover how floating can benefit mind, body, and soul for just $39 a month. Make sure you head on over to floathouse.ca. Now that's that. This interview coming up with the man, the myth, the legend, Severe MMA's Andrew McGann. It's brought to you by True North Screen Printing. These guys do everything custom design you need. They're based in the lower mainland. If your company needs to look the part with corporate t-shirts or hoodies, 
or do you want your buddies matching hats for a bachelor party gig or something, or you just want to make a kick-ass t-shirt that you think will sell to the masses, then Vancouver's True North Screen Printing offers a diverse, creative opportunity with quality workmanship at a reasonable rate. Tell them that MMA Sucka sent you. Once again, that's truenorthscreenprinting.ca for all your clothing and screen printing needs. Here we go with Andrew McGann. All righty. Well, it is fight week, so uh, it's a Conor McGregor fight week, so why not kick things off with the man who we had the last time Conor McGregor fought, Andrew McGann from Severe MMA. He is down in Vegas yet again for Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. Andrew, thanks for joining me again, man. No, no problem. I have to say, I, I hate keep hearing back in Vegas because it just reminds me of how long it actually takes to get to Vegas from Ireland, and it just breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> well, the last time your your travel schedule sort of really sucked. Uh, was this time yeah. any better? Uh, this time, not really. You see, I've I think I've developed a tactic to beat jet lag, which works, but it's at a great. Per- I don't want to compare it to Conor McGregor cutting down to one forty five pounds, but it's probably a similar struggle. So I stay up for uh, I stay up for twenty four hours before my flight. I was working the night before, so I went straight from work home, packed my bag and stuff like that, and then uh, got an early bus to the airport, and then just chilled in the airport. Did you at least get a better airlines this time? I mean, the last time we spoke, oh, it was it was dreadful. American, American Airlines. No, I unfortunately I had these guys over again. <laughs> Money talks. No but, kidding. Uh, I'm flying. I'm flying home direct to London on Sunday. So that's that's going to be okay. That's like an 11 and a half hour flight and nice comfy seats. Now, before we get cracking here, it, it was media day today. I want to talk to you about that. But before we get started with things, I wanted to talk your jiu-jitsu. I mean, you went and you competed in a tournament. How did things go? Uh, you still a blue belt. Uh, what's going on with the still jiu-jitsu career? Um, to be honest, 2016 hopefully will be a very good year for me um, in terms of growing severe and MMA content as well so I am going to have to prioritize that I have to I have had to a little bit already this year so uh, especially when we're leading up to big fight cards in Ireland I'll me and uh, our photographer Dave Fogarty will we'll drive around Ireland in his car and we'll go up one end of the country to interview a couple of fighters and try promote the local scene a little bit better there and um, I've competed twice already two or three times already this month or this uh, this year and I've got a tournament the week I come home, and then I've got two tournaments the weekend after. So I'm still able to compete. I'm still able to train every day. But when something severe, like, for example, when I get a phone call saying uh, we're interviewing Conor McGregor this evening, I can't turn around and say, <laughs> no, I've got competition training. <laughs> no kidding. And that interview, that interview you had with Conor, I mean, I, I saw on your social media that it was your goal to get the views on Severe's YouTube page up to you know, a million views, and the one video alone cracked a million yeah. views very, very quickly, I might add. One point, uh, yeah, we got pretty lucky with that, to be honest, because hit a couple of topics that had, Connor hadn't answered in the media, no real media since his Aldo fight. Um, that was a, a from, it was f- January 2014, I wrote down, I think I said it the last time to you, the little goals notebook. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down to try to get one million views on the YouTube page by September that year. And uh, I think the YouTube page is sitting at nearly 5 million views at the minute. And 
Um, that was, I think, 1.8 or 1.9 on the Connor thing. Unfortunately, though, I, I need to get to grips with this whole making money on the internet thing. I went into the bank and I said, hello, I have 1.9 million YouTube hits. Can I exchange it for money? And she's <laughs> like, no, sorry, that's not how it works. Yeah, sometimes uh, YouTube views don't convert the way you think they would. I mean, it all depends on the different advertisers yeah and i mean the monetization stuff is is the same for almost everybody i think but it depends on the ads that end up showing up on your page yeah that's it's a lucky draw for some some people are saying uh, like content sharing partnerships and different stuff like that we'll see where see where it goes from here but yeah you you brought up uh, still a blue belt and hopefully i i stay at blue belt until this time next year because first tournament was the europeans and that was great. That was brilliant. I got down as far as the last 32, biggest blue belt division, 100 and something competitors. So definitely, yeah. Well, forget about me. Are you still training? I am. I've, I've been kicking it up quite a bit lately. Uh, I'm not on the competition level right now. Still trying to get back into the shape that I should be in to compete because I'm kicking around at about 193, 192 right now. When I was competing back as a white belt, I... Uh, was competing at 167 and under. So I got a bit of a ways to go, but... You're the, doing a McGregor. Yeah, ex- just moving up. exactly. <laughs> Full bellies. Yeah, yeah, but the training's been going well. I uh, Last night at the gym, actually, we have a guy from Brazil that's uh, a homestay up here in Vancouver. He's four-stripe black belt. Um, so that was pretty cool to have him in the gym as well. Um, but yeah, training's uh, going pretty good. We're going somewhere tonight. I'm not too sure... Uh, our photographer Dave, who's over with me as well, he uh, he's staying out here in America after this, and he's because um, he's recording the Notorious the series. The hopefully there's going to be another documentary. Oh, so nice! He's uh, he's recording the footage for that this week, and um, he's then staying out because he's doing the Pan Ams. So he's going down to San Diego after this to train in University of Jiu Jitsu with Solo. And then meet up with his team when they come out for the Pan Ams. Sweet, yeah. We got a bunch of guys from my gym going down to the Pans next, or two weeks' time, I believe, yeah. Hooters, um, uh, Hooters carpet is not the best place for drilling. <laughs> that out. I bet. I, I wouldn't want to take a risk at that. You might end up with something more severe than staff. Yeah. <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> exactly. Now, let's talk about you. today, as we said, was media day. A uh, bit of a shit show from what I saw on social media. Confined little space. Conor McGregor was late. Uh, just talk us through the day itself. Um, I was actually shocked at the amount of Irish that are here already because uh, we were speculating that there wouldn't be as many Irish coming out to this fight because the European Championships and soccer on this summer in Vegas being on um, in December as well. It's a lot of money for Irish fans to keep coming over, but they stayed for Connor and the Americans as well. All the fans waited for Connor. He was about 50 minutes late, but you know, and he, I know he was recording a lot of stuff beforehand. He was, uh, I think he was on Fox Sports when I was walking through the hotel there. But yeah, it was a really, there's a convention on here as well, and I think the Studio A and B that they normally use for the MGM was just uh, was booked. So we were in a little theater and very, very confined. The scrums were just people killing each other to try to get a camera and a microphone shoved in front of someone's face. Man, oh man, yeah. Confined spaces suck for shit like that, especially, I mean, this is such a big fight too, right? I mean, was there any point, You obviously you had to book your tickets in advance. You probably had it booked all since Conor McGregor versus RDA. Was there any thought in your mind that you were like, "Oh shit!" When Rafael dos Anjos pulled out, that this that McGregor wasn't going to be on the card anymore? 
I'm not going to lie. My tactic is always because of that. I'll book the hotel on a free cancellation straight away. And generally, flights to the States from Europe don't go up so much because if you're booking them through like deals websites um, where you get your hotel and flight together, sometimes the flight's going to be cheaper anyway. So I booked it uh, as soon as we, we found out it was going to be Diaz. And it was still, it was, I think there was only like $50 difference from when it was uh, maybe a month or two before when it was going to be RDA. Nice. Now, was this the fight that you expected? I mean, a lot of people thought maybe Cerrone would step in. Obviously, Cerrone and Diaz were the two front runners. Was this the one that you thought was going to take place? To be honest, yeah, because we had heard kind of rumblings that maybe Diaz was going to be matched with Connor before the Desanos thing because they weren't sure if Desanos would be ready. Um, look at it this way, like Nate Diaz and Desanos both tooled Donald Cerrone. Do you know what I mean? And yep. Connor raised a very valid point, I think, when I interviewed him, saying, like, you can go around and say you fight all week if it looks like you take the easy way out of some fights. Do you know what I mean? There is a, an argument maybe that he, not that he quit against Cerrone, but just he was unfortunate and he, he wasn't finished in the same way that Aldo was finished, so he was able to compete or look to compete as quick as possible. Obviously, he fought and won, but even even for Cerrone, I think... While it would have been a, a a good fight for the fans and you could have built a bit of shit talk around, like Cerrone saying he's going to knock him out or whatever, Nate Diaz is the infinitely better fight. Nate Diaz is a better fight for everybody involved than Rafael Desanos. It just happens that Desanos has the title. For sure. The only thing that I wished was that this fight would have got a little more lead up because the trash talking alone at that press conference last week was epic. Um, if it had a full lead up like a regular pay-per-view would... That, I mean, it, it would be complete chaos. Who knows? In Connor's head, I like he's probably loving this because he's going up to 170. He's fighting it at that division. He's setting up an ultimate money fight with Nick Diaz if he beats the brother. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't even actually think of that. Exactly. That's like to be honest. If if you're gonna try plan Connor's year, you'd say it'll be Robbie Lawler at UFC 200. I can't see him giving Dosan like I don't want to say giving Dosanos the fight, the money fight. But it would be such a Conor McGregor thing to just completely bypass that division and get the Robbie Lawler title fight if it was offered to him. And then if everything went well there for Conor, Nate Diaz's suspension is up in August. If there's one man who can talk himself into a title shot off the back of two losses, it's definitely <laughs> Nate Diaz. So let's let's go. I think that would be a, an absolutely phenomenal fight. How epic would that be? I mean, to see him... If he were to beat Robbie Lawler, which the speed would be completely something that Robbie has never seen before, um, and to move from 45 to 70, and they say a two-divisional champion, and they were thinking 145, 155, to be, yeah, but to be the 45 and 70, <laughs> my goodness. It was crazy. He, he brought Robbie up at the, well, someone asked him about Robbie in the scrum, and he said that he respects Robbie, he comes to fight, he thinks... Like, he will not say a bad word about Robbie at all. But, again, you mentioned the speed. He thinks the speed will be a massive, massive thing in that fight. Well, it should be in this fight as well. And and it seems like both guys actually do have a bit of an appreciation for each other. Connor has, yeah, they trash-talked each other. But Connor actually seems like he thinks Nate's a pretty good fighter. And, and Nate actually appreciates Connor McGregor as well, which is something that, you know, neither of these guys have really done in the past. Connor usually hates his opponents. And Nate trash talks the shit out of them. So it, it's sort of yeah. an interesting thing that they both actually appreciate each other. It's a little weird. I, I do genu- genuinely believe Connor when he says that maybe 
after the contest, there's no animosity. I do think that he is building up a lot. But this Diaz thing, like, um, people may not really know this, but back in the day, there was kind of a thing about to t- go, go down where Conor was going to go and train with the Diaz brothers. So I think it was after Conor's first fight in Marcus Brimage, uh, Lazy the Savage, the media member, he's friends with the yep. Diaz brothers. Um, he, I think he used to work with Middle Easy, I think it was, and he yep. used to always uh, share a lot of old severe MMA content on Conor McGregor before he got even into the UFC. So he built up a, a good relationship there, and he's tight with the Diaz's, and he got on to uh, the guys who own Severe, who would have had good access to Conor, and they put the two of them in touch. And I think... Uh, I think it just fell through for whatever reason. Connor was getting ready for the fight in Boston and he didn't want to go out so early or too early and then come back and then go back to the States. So it fell through. But that would have been pretty interesting if it had to happen. How do you see this fight playing out? I think it's Connor's hardest fight in the UFC. And that's not downgrading any of his opponents. Like Aldo theoretically should have been a harder fight, but obviously the way that Connor finished that fight, we, it was a non-contest. We never really got to see what could have unfolded in front of us. Nate Diaz, my one worry about the fight is that Diaz has fought so long, has been pro fighting for a long time. Connor talks a lot about the chin. Once it gets hurt, it doesn't recover. Diaz has never really shown any signs that his chin is in any way is anyway bad but when you see videos of him fighting in a gym at 16 bare knuckle against another gym's uh gym's top students like and those guys winning you're wondering how much damage have they accumulated over the years um connor hits harder like uh, we were talking to own roddy uh his striking coach and he thinks that connor will be able to knock people out up to like he he will hit he will knock 170 or one uh, welterweights out because he hits like a middleweight so I definitely think this is going to be a real chance to see Conor McGregor's improvement since the... I don't even want to say since the Mendez fight. I want to say since the fight before that, since yeah. the Seaver fight, because we know he was injured going into the Mendez fight. The Aldo one, as I said, was a non-event. We're going to see just over a year, 14 months improvement of Conor McGregor if he gets to be brought into the later rounds. Diaz is the guy to do that. And yourself and myself know, like, jiu-jitsu guys will appreciate it. Nate Diaz's ground game is so, un- like, not that it's underrated, but people just know the Diaz brothers as strikers and brawlers and these guys that don't give a shit. But you can't look past their jiu-jitsu. I think this is a big, big fight, especially, like, Nate's not a wrestler as such. He's not, he's not going to be the no, guy. No, but he's good shoot. off his back, too. He's so good off his back. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Nate Diaz, um, Sean Sheehan, who's with Severe as well. He dropped some great analogies on me during the week on our podcast. He was saying, like, Nate Diaz loves the double underhook position. He loves pushing guys against the cage, and he's got serious trips and able to get people down off the cage. My thinking is, if he gets close to Connor, if he ties up a Connor, you—it's not. It wouldn't shock me if you told me Nate Diaz jumps guard. Yeah, could happen. And I mean, Connor's two losses are submissions. We've spoken about this in the past. You've said his his jujitsu game has has come up immensely from those times, correct? Oh yeah, completely. I, I think uh, I said as well that if you throw Connor and Nogi with some of the best black belts in the world, he could hold his own. But like Nogi, Jiu-Jitsu and Nogi for MMA is completely different. Yeah. So I think that Connor's main focus has been on that. You see, is uh, he's doing a lot of drills in terms of ground and pound. He did a lot of Jiu-Jitsu today at the uh, open workout as well. And even then, like when you see when he's performing his Jiu-Jitsu in MMA, there's such a 
such a beautiful like a Mendez brothers nearly style to it like his pass and knee cut slides great pressure like influencing influencing his posture very similar to Gunnar Nelson but he's got the movements of Gunnar Nelson and it's like he is the quickness and the sharpness of the Mendez brothers as well I think Connor on the ground would actually surprise a lot of people if he gets drawn into a fight where two guys are maybe in a sticky half guard situation and we're seeing who's going to pass or who's going who's to come up from bottom and sweep. I think that's one of the most interesting areas this fight can happen. Nate's guard and Connor's top half guard is going to be, that's a beautiful battle to watch. All right, so moving forward, you, you said you think, okay, it sets up perfectly for the remainder of his year with Robbie Lawler, UFC 200, and then hopefully Nick Diaz after that, which would be epic. Um, that means that he doesn't fight for the 145 title again this year, correct? Is that what you're picking? You don't think he'll defend that title at all this year? I don't think he'll ever defend that title, to be honest. I think I think he may get a... I don't want to speak for him in any way, shape, or form, but like cutting down... like You should have seen him today. After, afterwards, he did a really good workout... Uh, went through every single fan that waited for him, got up on the seat and walked the whole way down and then back up, taking pictures, chatting with everyone. He's not under the stress of a massive weight cut down to 145. And I think once he get up, gets up here and maybe feels how comfortable he is at 170 and how effective he can be at 170, then maybe you think Conor McGregor's going to skip the 155 and maybe not go back down to 45 because it's that hard. He doesn't have to do it anymore. I think in his head... The only thing that's stopping him, definitely not going back to 45, is that this isn't for a title. Yeah. I would. I think that if Connor had two belts on his shoulder, he'd have no issue saying, right, get rid of that one. Do you know what I mean? And let's go for the 170 one. And let's try to become a three-time champion yeah. in three different divisions. <laughs> it's just unfortunate that Connor's, uh, that we're not going to see this title fight. And I think him not getting a title this time around will actually keep him at 45. So, do you know the... It's not beyond the realms of possibility in Connor's head that he gets a quick finish in July and then fights again in September. Yeah. The 145 pound belt. And then that's 10 months since the belt was defended. You know, we've seen longer longer breaks in that belt's activity in the UFC. But again, that's big turnarounds for uh, weight cuts and, and whatnot, exactly. especially especially so, if he does stick around at 70 for, for two different fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I do think... You see that Connor's now kind of saying that he doesn't give a fuck about the belts. He's going to make his own belt. One of these days, I hope he walks in with a replica million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase <laughs> belt, and just call it the McGregor title and call it the money fights because if the sport of mixed martial arts is going to take any sort of drastic change in the next while, I think it could be something along the lines of a Floyd Mayweather being able to pick his own fights, yeah. you know, knowing what is the best fight for his business and money-wise. I wouldn't be surprised to see Conor go down that route. Like, imagine if he just became like a super fight guy that would take fights anywhere across three divisions and he doesn't care if it's for the belt or not. Or from what he said, just walk away completely. I mean, if he gets the 70 belt, does, does he even really need to challenge himself anymore? I don't know because there's a lot of alternatives. You know, like if this hotshot money figure comes in at 170... If there's anyone that could maybe convince George St. Pierre to fight again, I think it has to be Conor that's, McGregor. Yeah, that's something that's been brought up a few times I've seen as yeah. well. 
which would and be... And then, like, you remember the picture of Connor and George St. Pierre when Connor was rehabilitating his injury yeah. in the States and yeah. met with George? Side by side, the two guys looked very similar in size. You know, I do think people think that just because Connor fought at 145, they're not appreciating how hard of a cut it actually was for him to do that. Well, he's so looking that, bloody huge right now. I mean, there's oh, that there's that meme out there that says salad versus steak, and I mean, the steak picture, he's at least three times the size of what he was at 45. It's crazy. When I interviewed him that day and I was standing next to him, I was like, wow. This, like, cause Con- I'm taller than Connor, but I would be 68 kilos. So I'd be two kilos heavier than Connor um, when he would, which I think is about 150 pounds. Yeah. I would be uh, five pounds heavier than Connor when he's weighing in on the scales. And I think he said earlier on that he ate two breakfasts this morning and he was just on weight. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. And then I think even if Connor had a longer time, he'd be even bigger. He may even have to cut for the Robbie Lawler fight or whatever the fight is at 170 in the summer because he would, um, he'd have more time because he's eaten. Like, I think like people are quick to throw around a steroid allegation, but like, and they're comparing pictures of Connor when he's just before weighing in and then Connor when he's fully hydrated out of camp, 170 pounds. Tough to do. <laughs> oh yeah. But the way that he's, I no, I mean tough to do saying that it's on steroids when you're oh, comparing yeah, yeah, when exactly. you're comparing 45 to 70. It's exactly. two completely people different are, human beings. People are idiots. That's the thing. And yeah, I do, I do think one of the best things is that Connor's frame. I think will allow him through constant training and eating and different things like that. He's doing all of his functional movement stuff with uh, Ido Portal as well. And, you do gain mass that way. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not a bodybuilding sort of thing where you have to be lifting loads of weights and stuff like that. The sort of training that Connor does and the amount of training that he does and now that he's able, as he keeps saying, the full belly, you're, I wouldn't be surprised to see Connor maybe at 180 before the fight and then maybe cut down to 170. Because I think someone someone told me, or I read the other day, that his, his walking around weight before this, like three weeks ago, was 177. Yeah. So it's a scary prospect. No kidding. Now, one, let's just touch quickly before I let you go here on the co-main event. You watch both these ladies. There's at, a co-main event? Exactly, and that's what I'm saying here. There's a co-main event. Do you think it's a blessing in disguise that Holly Holm doesn't have all the spotlight on her for this? To be honest, I was, I'm really interested in seeing how she reacts and watch the scrums and stuff like that from tomorrow because she's coming off one of the biggest upsets in MMA history. You know, she's coming off such a huge, huge thing, dethroning Ronda Rousey. And maybe I'm skeptical of home because I think a lot of people did say if Rousey was going to be beaten, it was going to be beaten by a a striker like that. But Misha Tate has the, without a doubt, in her locker, she has the abilities to be able to beat Holly Holm. But it's Misha Tate and you kind of worry like she needs everything to go right for her to be able to put that performance together. I oftentimes find, though, as well, that Misha Tate comes in with a horrific game plan. Oh, yeah. Like, that's several times you've watched the Misha Tate fight and you're just like, ah. Oh, like like so with Ron- like in the, Ron- the second Ronda fight where she was jabbing the shit out of Ronda and, and striking very well with her, but she'd double up on the jab and then come in for a clinch. Like, what are you thinking against Ronda Rousey coming in to try and clinch with her? 
especially when your previous plan up to that point was doing so well for you. Exactly. You know what I mean? People were saying that was the toughest fight Rousey had ever been given uh, up until the home fight, which it was. You saw great, even saw good improvements in Misha's grappling defense in that fight. Yeah. Up to the point that when the fight went later on, maybe it was a conditioning thing, a cardio thing, a mental thing, just slipped and then Ronda was able to finish her. Um, I... I'll throw it out there to you and see what you think. Do you think if Misha wins, then she's going to uh, accelerate the comeback of Ronda Rousey? Rousey's going to think, right, I could beat this bitch. That is, let's, yeah, let's I, 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 I do completely think that. And I saw someone say that as well, is if, if Misha wins, Ronda's coming back for sure. If Holm wins, then she's sort of thinking about her acting gigs or something like that. Yeah, and just when you mention acting there, uh, we'll... If you have another thing about the co-main event, definitely we'll get onto it. But Connor brought up acting earlier on in the scrum. Someone asked, like, if you become, as you said, walk away at 170s, like, if you become that, like, would it be hard to keep motivated? Like, surely you can't go up to 185. It's like you've wiped out everything up till then. And he's like, he was adamant that the fight game will always be his passion, but he was very passionate about soccer when he was younger. (laughs) You know what I mean? That was what he was into then. Who knows that if, like... For before the Seaver fight, they even they had asked him to audition for the James Bond film. Jeez! So like different stuff like that. Conor McGregor is going to be a hot property, especially if he does leave the UFC. Maybe in the manner that he hopes the undisputed king of several divisions, the offers would come in thick and fast. No kidding. Now you're seeing both women at uh, the media day today and open workouts and and whatnot. Who's your pick? I you see. I don't want to be the guy that just like, oh, Holmes a one try, like she's going to lose this fight. But I genuinely do think this could be Misha's day. There's so many fighters throughout divisions that it's like if someone didn't exist, they would be one of the best fighters ever. Misha Tate is one of those people. If Ronda Rousey didn't exist, she would have been the queen of 135 up until the point that maybe Holmes got up towards Challenger. Do you know what I mean? Misha, Misha would have beat all those girls that Ronda bet as well. And I think that Someone like Joseph Benavidez hating the fact that Demetrius Johnson's alive or Uriah Faber hating that Dominic Cruz ever decided to start MMA. I think that just could be the tale of Misha Tate's career, you know, just always the always the bridesmaid, never the bride. This time, though, she looked in great shape, like really, really happy, really positive, enjoyed the workout, looked pretty sharp in her workout as well. And, you know, you just can't take away from the fact that Holm executed such a brilliant game plan to beat Rousey through such great training, such uh, great coaching, especially from uh, Winklejohn and, and Jackson, there was great breakdowns of how she countered all of Ronda's judo. You definitely think that she is going to be able to form a game plan for someone like Misha Tate, who has cost herself so many good opportunities by maybe, as you said, throwing away fights with bad decision-making. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm going to leave you with this. Conor McGregor, perfect storybook career thus far. I mean, the guy has fought... Two divisional champ in Cage Warriors. For for a guy who, you know, he's had his picture with Chuck Liddell back in the day where he was that ultra fan as a teenager. Yeah. Coming up through Cage Warriors, the two divisional champion, winning the 145-pound belt, possibly gaining a shot at the 170-pound belt after this weekend. This guy, as we say, storybook career. He's going to have a movie made after him, I'm sure, by the end of this thing. Who plays <laughs> Conor McGregor in the Conor McGregor story? I have a better question, because this was brought up in the gym just last week. Who plays Andrew McGahan in the Conor McGregor story? <laughs> <laughs> One of my mates in the gym the other day, we were training, and he was like, here, 
Who the, what ugly bastard are they going to cast to play you if the McGregor <laughs> movie ever gets done? Surely they're going to have to have some idiot in a black and red check shirt wandering <laughs> around in the background. I, w- I was only thinking that the other day. I was like, I, I'd really like to say someone like Tom Hardy would be able to do Conor McGregor or someone mental like Colin Farrell would be able to do uh, Conor McGregor. But looking at him, and we're talking about his career, how funny would it be if Conor McGregor played Conor yeah, McGregor? Right. <laughs> like, who better? I don't know. Who's your pick? What uh, what young actor, what actor is going to be good for that? Tough to say, man. I mean, with the beard and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, who knows? The guy just won an Oscar. It could be Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, what, what a shit. I, I think that's... You have to think that eventually a film would be made. Some sort of adaptation would be made. Heck, if they made the movie The Hammer about Matt Hamill, they got to make a movie about Conor McGregor. Oh, yeah. Well, like, to be honest, if they made a film about uh, Apollo Creed's son as well, like, which uh, that's just a throwaway remark because I actually love the film. And the guy, uh, the actor, I can't think of his name, that played Apollo's son. Michael B. Uh, Johnson, Michael I believe. Johnson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was in Friday Night Lights. He was uh, yeah. in Howard Friday Night Lights. Yeah. And when I saw he was in that, I was like, oh, Friday Night Lights is the best. So I was glad he got that. That it was. I, I love that show. Now, let's Your leave it. Hearts. I will leave Exactly. <laughs> I'll leave you alone now. Get back to your Las Vegas night in your Hooters hotel room. Um, oh, stop. <laughs> I have to go bury my head. Like, the best part about that scrum, or, well, I say best part, I mean the funniest, worst part about it is Graham from Severe MMA, he doesn't get in until today, and Dave was on the stage recording the documentary. So I had, like, I had my tripod maybe two two sticks down, shoved in against my tie, balancing it over every camera and trying to shove a microphone there in front of him. So I'm actually dreading to look at this footage because it's going to look like I'm on a trampoline or something like that. <laughs> at least you get it out there, man. And and that's yeah. awesome. I mean, you make the trek from Ireland over to Vegas, which is something that I'm jealous of. And I'm only a few, uh, I'm way closer than you. I'm, I'm in Canada, yeah. man. I should be there myself. But Andrew, man, it's been a pleasure just let people know where much. they can see your stuff. Social media realm, severe MMA. Shout out the YouTube page. Yeah. yeah. So um, we actually, you as you know, YouTube is impossible to get subscribers on, and the Conor McGregor video got like four thousand new subscribers onto the channel, or three and a half. So uh, YouTube.com forward slash severe art uh, and at severe MMA on Twitter. It's uh, literally taking well, like I don't want to say taking over the domestic scene because we were the clear cut the guys who have been doing it from the start but uh, there's a great promotion in Europe now BAM have really started making gains we are we covered our shows uh, Cage Warriors coming back so we're going to see a lot more severe MMA at uh, the bigger European shows So, and you, you should all be watching this stuff anyway because there's so many Irish pros on the up and coming it's not just going to be Conor McGregor we talk about you know like I know there's been other guys in the UFC but these amateurs who have just turned pro that are now like going the whole way that are seeing what Conor has achieved and dropping out of school and not going back to college and different stuff to train full time. You just see the passion that they have for it and they're racking up wins going 3-4-0 all with first round finishes. The UFC are going to be keeping an eye on these guys, especially because the UFC seemed that they're going to uh, like maybe get cage wires on Fight Pass and more domestic promotions on Fight Pass. That's the way they're going to build their future stars. Get them in on the homegrown promotions, air it on Fight Pass, bring them onto the main roster. WWE style. Like someone, <laughs> like S.A. Rios performing on WWE Heat before he got the call up to SmackDown. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. 
I have to ask why, and I meant to ask you this in the past, actually, when I subscribed to the Severe YouTube pages. Why is it Severe Art? Um, because there is a Severe MMA YouTube page, and I think that was when the website was started. The Severe concept was that there was going to be a lot of um, video-based stuff, not just video interviews, but like the the first documentary that kicked it all off was called Ten Thousand Hours. It was about Paddy Houlihan and Owen Roddy, uh, leading up to two big title fights that they had domestically in Ireland. So the guys that are involved in Severe, one of the cameramen, he's a, he's a really, really chill guy. Like he's a, he's an art, he's a complete artist. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he liked having another YouTube page, Severe Art, for the artistic pe- uh, features that we got up. But then that just started, having two YouTube channels was a stupid idea, subscribers-wise. So we just started putting all the content onto Severe Art. So that that's all it was. Nice. Andrew. But that is what we do. We do art. Exactly. You do. And uh, it's awesome to watch it. So I highly suggest everyone check it out. I mean, you did get four and a half thousand new subscribers, you said. So if you're not subscribed, check it out. And Andrew, have a blast the rest of the weekend Thank in uh, Fight Capital of the World, man. I will, surely. Connor doesn't care. Connor says, I will fight anybody, anytime, in any way. At 27 years of age, with every record in the book, with weight divisions above, ready for me to go at. Every other champion gets a belt and they don't want to go up, or they don't want to go down. I'm going straight up. For the winner, by unanimous decision, Nate Diaz! Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, motherfucker. I'm going to fight your fucking ass. You know what's the real fight, what's the real money fight is me. Well, this is in the Sports Center. Rafael Dos Anjos has withdrawn from next week's UFC 196 lightweight title fight against Conor McGregor. All right, Dana, uh, the show will go on. So, who is McGregor going to fight? BJ Penn wanted the fight. Um, Anthony Pettis wanted this fight. A lot of guys wanted this fight, but he will fight Nate Diaz. We felt this was the fight to make and the fight that the fans wanted to see. Conor McGregor is moving from 145 pounds to 170 pounds. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck either. Fuck you. Fuck you. I don't give a fuck what you say, motherfucker. You knocked out three midgets and you're pumped up. All midgets. I fought fucking every fucking week forever, motherfucker. I've been in the UFC forever fighting everybody. Fuck your bitch ass belt, too. Fuck the belt. I don't give a fuck about the belt. The only thing I give a fuck about is the check, and my check's super heavy. There is no games in this. I'm just simply the best fighter, and that's it. He will be KO'd inside the fourth round. Joining me now is a man who holds an 8-1 and professional record. He's currently on a two-fight winning streak, and he takes on the guy who handed him his lone loss, Tim Haig, in the main event at Unified MMA 26. Please welcome Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer to Sucker Radio. Tanner, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Now, 8-1 and on the Canadian scene as a heavyweight is actually a pretty big task because, I mean, heavyweights seem to have a tough time finding fights in Canada. And from the looks of your record and, and your outings, I mean, you just started in 2013 or 20 to late 2012 as a professional. So you've been able to amass quite the record as a heavyweight. Uh, yep. 
taking a few fights a year, I guess, on average. Which, which, as I said, I mean, a lot of Canadians, especially at your level, you're ranked number two in Canada um, as a heavyweight. It, it's tough to find fights within the local Canadian scene. H- have you found it difficult at all? Not at all. I don't know how people find it tough to find fights. Um, maybe just everybody wants to fight me because they think they're going to beat me easily. I don't know, but I've never had a problem finding fights out here. And as I said, you you take on Tim Haig, upcoming... Uh, March 4th, Unified MMA 26. This is the guy that's handed you your lone loss. But really, you can't take a hell of a lot away from that first outing with him as it was only, I believe, it, it was a very short fight, like six seconds. He clocked you with the first shot and yeah, and, and nothing else happened. So what exactly do you take away from that outing? There's nothing to take away from it, man. It's, uh, I got one punch that I messed up. I did something stupid and he caught me like, good on him but I won't do that again I guess the thing that you take away is you won't rush in like that yeah not like that anyway <laughs> um has Hague been a guy I mean he's a big veteran of the sport he's um I wouldn't say on the downward slide of his career but he he's sort of taken his game up a level over this last year um he's later in his career that's for sure and you seem to be a guy that's on the ups of his career would you agree with this uh yeah I mean I'm I'm still just getting started but, uh, yeah, I don't know if you could say Hag's on downswing. He's been reasonably consistent, but whatever. He's been the same guy the whole time. He hasn't been improving. You know, he's dangerous because he's big and he hits really hard. I'm getting better every day. So you don't, yeah, looking at his fights, there's nothing that you take away that, that you've seen get better. I mean, personally, I watch his fights. I see that he's got heavy hands. Um, I see that he, he's got a lot of heart, that's for sure. But what do you take away chin. from his fights? Yeah, he's got a good chin. Yeah, Tim's got a really good chin. He's a big guy, right? Like, he, he cuts weight to make 265. He usually fights around 285. So he's, he's about as big as heavyweights get. And uh, he hits really hard. And that's, that's it. He is gifted genetically. <laughs> and you yourself? Uh, well, I'm a hell of a lot faster than any of the heavyweights around here. I think I'm one of the fastest heavyweights around. And uh, I have some of the best cardio for heavyweight, too. So I'm kind of the opposite of him. So you're that heavyweight that weighs in, you know, under the 265 limit. Do you think that is what helps with your speed? Uh, well, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm not actually that small. I mean, I weigh in at, like, 250 nowadays, between 240 250. Um, it helps with speed. I, I, I don't know. I guess – Tim does have a history of having trouble with the smaller, quicker guys, but I'm not. I'm not actually like that big of a difference. He's had trouble with the inflated tool fibers. You know, the guys weighing in at 220 are traditionally who he has trouble with. The guys that can keep going into round three and uh, um, get him when he's exhausted because he's so big. But um, yeah. Moving away from that fight, from from you fought Tim almost a year ago to the date when you're fighting him again. You you fought twice since then. You beat Jared Henderson. You beat Victor Valimaki. Um, how long did it take you to get over that loss from Haig and move forward to these two fights? Well, um, I don't know if you ever, like, get over it. I mean, fuck, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen, get knocked out, you know, by someone that you hate in record time. It's awful, man. 
I didn't, there was no like getting over it. I just wanted to fight right away. I didn't even get to fight, so I just booked the soonest fight I can. I was supposed to fight War Dog actually in June, but he pulled out, so Jared Henderson was a late replacement. Dude's pretty tough. Um, I just wanted to fight right away. I needed to for like my sanity. Has there been back and forth between you and Haig over the year? No. Uh, since then, it's been pretty mild, you know. Do you think stuff? I, do you think it will yeah. come up later in the week? No, probably not. I won't listen to it if it does. <laughs> uh, whatever, you know. We don't like each other. There, we don't have to talk anymore. We we talked a lot the first time. Hype's still there. Is it is it just the fact that you guys don't like each other inside the cage, or is you have personal vendettas against this guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you followed the first fight, there's there's a lot of a lot of shit we said and did to each other that I don't want. I don't even want to get into. Definitely. So even even despite, I mean, you see guys fight. They've got a lot of anticipation climbing up to the fight. There's hate. There's trash talk. There's all that kind of stuff. Then after the fight happens, they shake hands, good on them. They become, I wouldn't say buddies, but the feud is over. You're saying that when you beat or if you, however it goes down next Friday night or Saturday night, however it goes down with Tim Haig, you guys will not be shaking hands and friends after this. I'll shake his hand, man. I respect him as a fighter. Like, you know, he's accomplished a lot in MMA. I I definitely respect what he can do fighter-wise, but I think he's a fucking idiot. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go uh, have a beer with him after, that's for sure. How do you see the fight playing out? You you said you're, obviously you took nothing away from the first one. The game plan will be completely different. Without giving away your game plan, how do you see this fight going down? I just got to do what I was supposed to do the first time. It's it's no secret. Like he knows what I'm good at, and I know what he's good at. Um, I think that he's not gonna put me away because I'm not gonna do something stupid, and he's gonna gas himself out like he always does, and then I'm gonna smash the shit out of him. Well, you seem to be a little more well-rounded. I mean, you got the submission game and the striking power. Eh, my submissions are just rear naked chokes. Any monkey can do that. It's really not that <laughs> impressive. Um, Tim has a guillotine. I can't see this fight ending by submission. I mean, yeah, no, there's no submissions here. Do you see it going? Do you see it going past the first round? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We're both hard guys to put away. Despite what happened in the first fight, I mean, I've had some wars, and my my chin always holds up. I just ran right into like uh, punch when he was at maximum energy, maximum power. He's not going to knock me out. And uh, he's a hard guy to knock out. So, yeah, we're going to go past the first round. Someone's going to get it once they, uh, once they weaken a little bit. With a victory here, you'll be 9-1 and one professionally. What, what's the goals for the rest of 2016? Well, uh, my ultra-ambitious game plan, and each one of these guys is, uh, is a, a beast and a hard fight. But ideally, I beat Tim Hag. And I beat him up so bad he can't fight Caleb Starnes a few weeks later like he's booked. And then I hijacked that fight, and then I beat Caleb Starnes, and then I beat Tony Lopez in May for the Unified Belt. Wow. At least you have a game plan going forward. A lot of guys, I mean, they say they have goals, but they're highly unrealistic. And, and what you've set out there sounds like it could be the case. I mean, if you take it to Tim like you could at Unified MMA 26, then, I mean, he might not be able to fight that fight against Caleb, and, and you could step right in there, which would be perfect. What do you think of Caleb Starnes as a heavyweight? Because we did see him beat Tim Haig before. 
Um, if you were to get that fight, it, it's a little bit of a different fight because he is that oversized light heavyweight. Heck, he was a middleweight before. Yeah, uh, he's still got reach. Like, the guy's 6'3". Um, he's tall and he's lanky and he's got really good boxing. And he's a legit black belt in jiu-jitsu. Stearns is dangerous. And I don't know why he does better at heavyweight, but he does. Uh, he got knocked out eventually by... Um, fuck, big guy was in UFC. Uh, the guy that got subbed by Noguera, that when he told Noguera jiu-jitsu didn't work, I'm, I'm having a, drawing a blank. Yeah, that was, that was at Titan. Dave Herman. Dave Herman. Yeah, Herman uh, knocked him out. But besides Herman, I don't think he's lost at heavyweight. Uh, I don't know why, but I mean, I watched him beat up War Dog in October. Yeah, Actually, that's not true. War Dog beat him up, but he subbed War Dog. He won. See, that's the uh, thing with Caleb. He likes to he likes to go in there. He likes to hold his hands up, and he likes to wait for guys to gas. And that was the thing that he tried to do with Pee Wee Herman, which didn't end up yeah. working. He tried because Caleb also has a really good chin, which is surprising yeah. for a guy who's getting punched by heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a risky game plan, but uh, hey, whatever works for him. I think Caleb is uh, uh, hard and a very different fight than Tim, but I mean, I think I can beat him. I think that he fights, I think he's similar to Victor Valimaki, and I, and I totaled him. Yeah, totaled him. <laughs> I like it. And then, so you said moving forward, Tony Lopez for the for the heavyweight championship. How, how would you see that fight playing out? This guy is a very, very big veteran of the sport as well. Yeah, that'll be a fight of the night because neither one of us is going to go down. But we're just going to beat the shit out of each other for five rounds. <laughs> that fight will happen eventually, regardless. Oh, yeah. And and looking at your record here, you've only fought Canadians. You've only fought in Canada. Is it a goal of yours to get outside of the country? Oh, yeah. It's not like a goal. It's an eventuality. I'm I'm down to fight whoever, whatever, man. Like I almost had a really sweet short notice fight for World Series of Fighting in Japan in February, but it fell through. Unfortunately, um, yeah. If anyone's listening to this, I'll fight whoever the hell you want, wherever you want, man. It's all about getting the name out there, right? Yeah, it's all about fighting. I tried to go back to school, and it turns out I really, really hate it. So, fuck, <laughs> I'm just gonna fight as often as I can, make some money. <laughs> what What did you try to uh, go back to school and take? Uh, I went. I got my EMR done, and then I was supposed to do my EMT, but man, like I passed the EMR course. And that course was three weeks, only three weeks. People go to school for 10 years, man. Three weeks, and I wanted to fucking kill myself. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way. There's no way I'm going back for six months, man. Book me a fight. I can't do that. <laughs> so do you have a, a day job then that, that still keeps you sustained while you're not fighting? Uh, I work at a bar at night. But pays the bills the schedule, so that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> for sure now moving away from the fight scene I-, I wanted to ask you a couple questions just sort of uh entertainment wise i guess other than fighting and and the bar scene and, and stuff like that what does tanner bozer like to do in his spare time like are you a movie guy do you play video games do you like to get out there and hike i mean what, what do you do in yeah. your spare time i, I, I i'm notoriously bad for seeing movies i've seen embarrassingly low uh, amount of movies i don't play video games i i don't do much man i i like to hike every summer me and some of my buddies go into the mountains and hike and camp and stuff you know it's kind of my trip uh, i'm pretty happy just doing what i'm doing which is training and you know i eat for fun when i get bored you know i like to eat so <laughs> don't we all one of my biggest hobbies as a heavyweight i can do that 
No yeah. kidding. Yeah, for sure. What what's your go to meal? I mean, you you can cheat anytime you want as a guy who's still got fifteen pounds on the on the weight limit. So, what's your go to meals? Yeah. I try not to be like a carburetor here when I'm you know I have a flight coming up. But when I have a flight coming up, I want to go eat something good. I'll go get some steak or whatever. Nice local place in Edmonton called Pita Bake. Love it. There you go. Now, finally, before I let you go here, dream wise, if you could pick any fighter. From past, present, future, whenever that you could step inside the cage with and lay down, who would it be? And, and lay down, like just to fight, or yeah, just to fight. Step inside that cage and, and throw down. Uh, I want to fight Roy Nelson. <laughs> Still present, man. That fight could eventually happen. You never know. Yeah, you never know, but uh, that'd be a cool one. You know. I was a fan of his, and I I had him all for a long time. That's gone, but you know, we still got a lot of the same same look going on here. So I'd say Roy Nelson. Uh, as a, in terms of who I'd like like to punch in the face the most, out of everybody, that's actually Tim Hag. So you know, great. That's coming up in five days. So. Yes, there you go, Tim Haig. Tanner Bozer takes on Tim Haig. Main event, Unified MMA 26. Hopefully, if all goes well, you get that short-notice fight against Caleb Stearns and then Tony Lopez later in the year, man. Uh, all the best to you. Good luck in five days. And just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media realm, if that's your thing, um, and any sponsors you want to give shout-outs to. Uh, yeah, sponsor-wise, I got uh, Bonneville Water Conditioning, I got Tanline Enterprises, Rockwell, Genmec ACL, uh, ThinkWorks. I think those are all my sponsors, so thanks to them for letting me do what I do, helping me, uh, I guess, do what I do. Uh, social media, Tanner's Bulldozer Bozer on Facebook, and at Bulldozer Bozer on Twitter, or Instagram. I'm on all those things. Help me on Twitter. I have no followers. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, we'll definitely shout it out. And good luck against Tim Haig in the rematch, man. Thank you, sir. What an awesome show. That about does it for this week. I'm glad to be back in the captain's chair here at Sucker Radio. Thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you to my sponsors who I completely shouted out at the beginning of the show, Fusion Fight Gear. Make sure you check them out at fusionfightgear.com. Float House, for all your sensory deprivation tank needs, floathouse.ca. True North Screen Printing, if you're looking to get t-shirts, hoodies, hats. Heck, they even etch glasses. So check them out at truenorthscreenprinting.ca. One company I didn't shout out earlier, proambelts.com. These guys have all your championship belt needs. Whether you want to get a belt to wear around the house, or you want to take one to the nightclub, or maybe walk around the downtown scene, Check out proambelts.com. They have you covered for everything. That about does it for this episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as LastWordOnSports.com. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. Like the Facebook page at MMASucker. Follow us on Twitter at MMASucker. Make sure you check out myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. Now thank you to my guests, Severe MMA's Andrew McGann. This guy has been in touch with Conor McGregor throughout his entire fighting career, so it's cool to get input from him and the Irish MMA scene. And thank you to Tanner Bozer. Good luck to him on Friday night against his arch-nemesis, Tim Haig. With that, there is no more, and I am out. Radio.
it's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.